Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Just around 50 years ago, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, two runners from San Jose State University, won Olympic medals in Mexico City. On the medal stand, they made a very public salute to black power. And they paid a price for it. Last Friday night, more than 50 years later, the two Olympic winners were inducted into the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Hall of Fame. I feel as proud today as I did that day. I'm just so happy that so many people have woken up to it today. Today, we're going to tell you the story of Tommy Smith and John Carlos and the Bay Area's long legacy of athletics and activism. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. You look up the phrase political foment, Devin, in the dictionary, and you find 1968. Rachel Myro is senior editor of KQED Silicon Valley Desk. I spoke to Rachel last year after she attended San Jose State University's 50th anniversary celebration of this moment in history. It was happening on a national level with the assassinations of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy. It was happening with riots, Vietnam War protests. This was at the height of the civil rights era. And at the same time all these huge moments in American history were going down, San Jose State University was making a name for itself. This was the time when San Jose State University was known as Speed City. Why was it nicknamed Speed City? It was something that started in the 1940s and was in full swing by the 1960s when Tommy Smith and John Carlos arrived. We had the fastest people in the world. I mean, you're fast if you you went to San Jose State. You had to be. A lot of the credit goes to this legendary head coach, Lloyd Bud Winter. Coach Winter teaches, adequate extension must be developed through special exercise. But the way he, he taught them about stride really just helped take these people who were already incredibly talented and just push it to the next level. There are so many guys that, that you, could, you, you can hardly count them. A lot of the young men at that time talk about coming to the San Jose State campus precisely because they wanted to be on this team of superstars. But San Jose State was also fighting for its own civil rights, along with the national fight. Black students were facing racism and housing discrimination. Racial discrimination at San Jose State College seemed to center around two major problems. One of them, housing. In this case, discrimination in both on and off campus housing for minority group members. There was one guy, a fellow athlete, he threw the discus. His name was Harry Edwards. The 1960s, um, as I've stated, the period 1963 through 1968, 
was probably the most uh, violent and deadly political five years since... And he started a group called Olympic Project for Human Rights. And originally, that group called for a boycott of the Olympics altogether. And this call for a boycott put athletes like Tommy Smith and John Carlos in this awkward position. uh, uh, Your biggest desire was to to go to the Olympics. Has it made any difference in your desire? Uh, No, I do have a desire to participate in the 1968 Olympic Games, but I also have a dignity to look up to and look forward to. The boycott never ended up happening. And so in the fall of 1968, the U.S. team, including Tommy Smith and John Carlos, got on a plane and left for Mexico City, which was going through its own human and civil rights crisis at the time. They get to Mexico City and the streets are literally being cleaned of blood because there was a massacre. Government troops massacred students protesting that country's authoritative government just before the Olympics. Wow. On October 12, 1968, the Olympic torch for the first time reached Latin America, renewing in Mexico City its message to the world. Unity of spirit. There was this very charged atmosphere that these athletes were operating in at home and as they arrived at the Games. So it's October 16, 1968, and Tommy Smith and John Carlos are running the 200-meter dash. Smith wins gold, Carlos wins bronze. Another amazing performance. What happens after that? They walk up to receive their medals for the 200-meter dash, wearing black scarves to symbolize lynching, black socks and no shoes to symbolize poverty, and they each wore a black glove from the same set of gloves because Carlos had left his gloves back at the hotel. That's why they each had one glove. That's why they each had one glove, and that's why one athlete raised his left arm to the sky. The other athlete raised his right arm to the sky, which is what they did as they bowed their heads. Do you have any sense if Tommy Smith and John Carlos knew how big of a moment that was in history? At the time, they reported that they were terrified, that they were literally praying um, out of fear that at some point somebody in the audience might pick up a gun and shoot them. We didn't stand there with disrespect. We stood there to say, hey, man, I'm a murderer. I'm your son, and I'm wounded. I'm not wounded for me because I'm one of your heroes. I'm in the Olympics, but I'm wounded for the race. And I'm not talking about the 200 meters. I'm talking about the human race. That's why we went to Mexico City. And what happens to them in the days and the weeks that follow? So a decision is made to send them back to... San Jose straight away, just terminate their participation in the Olympics. Uh, They were basically banned from participating in international track and field events. So that was the end of their careers. These are some of the fastest men on earth. They went back, they finished their degrees, uh, but for many, many years they had trouble landing jobs. It was actually a story I read about uh, Smith working at a car wash. Both men eventually became coaches and educators, but it, it took them many, many years, and they became heroes much, much later in the national conversation. 
Tommy Smith and John Carlos were finally recognized by the Olympics in the 80s after being banned. They were also inducted into the U.S. Track and Field Hall of Fame. Rachel attended a 50th anniversary event at San Jose State this week, where she caught up with Tommy Smith, who's still trying to encourage people to get involved in civil rights. Young folks out there, don't think just because you can run fast, you're going to make a living off of it. No way. You have to get involved in the systematic structure of America to become viable, living forward, doing something. Don't stop. So it's been 50 years since Tommy Smith and John Carlos were standing on that podium and, and raised their fists. And now I know a lot of people are making the comparison to another Bay Area athlete, Colin Kaepernick. Were you able to talk to them at all about that or, or glean any kind of information about that comparison and, and whether they felt that was pretty accurate? If you talk to them and you talk to Dr. Harry Edwards, who's become a celebrated sports sociologist, they see themselves in a long timeline that stretches back far before 1968 and stretches forward to the present day. There was a, a first wave of um, academic activism that was framed up by abject segregation. That was uh, uh, people like Jack Johnson and Joe Lewis and Jesse Owens and Paul Robeson. The second wave was post-World uh, War II, and that struggle was for access. That was Jackie Robinson, Larry Doby, Kenny Washington. The third wave was uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Smith and Carlos, Bill Russell, Jim Brown at that time, most certainly Arthur Ashe. And then the fourth wave is Kaepernick, and what they're really looking at is power. And Dr. Harry Edwards says something really interesting. Um, he sees already that, you know, we have a fifth wave wave of athletic activism in play. And he says that's focused on gender. It's already happening. We just got to open our eyes to see it. That's what the $5 donated from each WNBA ticket was about. That's what the Me Too movement and its impact did in terms of exposing uh, this uh, uh, sexual assault at the University of Michigan. That's what all of that was about. And the biggest part is to come because of the likely all-out assault. I also talked to Wyomia Tyus of the famed Tennessee University Tiger Bells. She wore black shorts throughout the 1968 Olympics. Uh, she won an award for the 100-meter women's race, lifted her fist up on that podium, and as she puts it, got no press. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know. my God. You know, we were up there, and I had my fist up too, but nobody put it, printed that. And then I also dedicated my medal from the relay team to Carlos and Tommy, and uh, no one's printed that. But uh, they knew, and other people knew, and I think, you know, in movements, everything don't get printed, but you still have to fight for what you believe in. There's no question that it's it's taken more years for women to gain the same respect and rights that men have enjoyed for decades in athletics, and they're getting there. Yeah. And, you know, if you ask Dr. Harry Edwards, they're going to dominate the conversation in the years to come. Rachel Myro is senior editor of KQD's Silicon Valley Desk. We've got some pictures and video of San Jose State University and the Olympic Games back in 1968 in our episode notes. Go check them out. You can also find them on Twitter. We are at the Bay KQED. 
there are all kinds of stories happening right here in the Bay Area that deserve these deeper conversations, and that's something that we really love doing here at the Bay. If you like us, please let us know, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts, or even better, share something that you've learned on the Bay with a friend. Thanks for doing it. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Talk to you next time. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S.